It's time for the Total Sports Quinty Podcast with your hosts, Randy Ewens and Mike Bond. We're celebrating sports and athletes from the Quinty region and beyond. Get ready for the Total Sports Quinty Podcast. Here we go for episode 46. As always, Mike Bond here. And on the line, we got Randy Ewens. What's going on, Randy? Hey, Mike. How are you? Good. Another day in paradise. Lovely, lovely. Raining. Yeah. Well, it's spring, so I guess that's kind of par for the course. Get the lawns going. I've mowed my lawn twice already. Oh, nice. You haven't got any uh, honeydew projects going on like you usually do? Um, Not yet. I've been kind of putting off the big one that uh, Jen's got scheduled for me. Uh, we're redoing our deck out back. So I'm kind of, it's a big one. So, well, my, um, my labor is home now. So Zach's here. So I'm, I've got a whole list of projects to start to fix. So yeah, Thanks. we're going to be the next two weeks. will be heavy hunkered down at home for obvious reasons. And then fixing stuff outside should be fun. Nice. But been, uh, well, it's been lots going on. I, I, I was interested in the OHL drafts coming up. We've got a, a really interesting guest today. And, you know, you talk about Saturday Night Live always has this big deal about guys who have their fifth and sixth appearances on Saturday Night Live. And we haven't had that yet of having anyone. This will be our first double guest. So he was on once before with uh, Derek Smith, and we were talking about coaching and different aspects of, of training. And <clears throat> Chris Longo, who is the uh, – assistant coach for the Kingston Frontenacs and he's a skills and skills coach for them as well as Wellington Dukes and a pretty well, well-known local guy played, uh, Peter repeats and then went on for a pretty healthy, uh, minor pro career. And he's in my humble opinion, probably like one of the best uh, skill guys around and pick his brain. He's working a lot with Shane Wright, who's sort of letting it up right now in the, uh, world championships the u18 so we'll talk to him about that among other things so that should be fun but i know that the ohl drafts coming up quick i don't know did you see the article there was an article floating around on twitter about uh a young lady um who's playing at uh, elgin middle section name's taya curry she's um played minor midget for them and she was a starting goalie up till bantam then they brought in another high-end goalie and they split back and forth but it looks like she has a shot at being drafted um to the ohl coming up really yeah, she'd be the first girl to play in the OHL. Now, wow. obviously, you had Manon Rayon played in the Quebec League and Shannon Zabados played in the Western League, but we haven't had one in the Ontario League. It'll be interesting to see what the teams do if they draft her. And, and everybody's saying it's not a, politi- a publicity stunt. It's uh, She legitimately deserves this. So I guess it's a bigger question is, does she continue playing with the guys or does she move over to the girls so she starts getting – comparable so she can you know develop and go to college so interesting that's an interesting that's always an interesting debate to me is it better to be the best and grow help grow the women's game or do you go and just see how far you can get in the men's game like it's and i know there's people with strong advocates either way i'm kind of like it i guess it's up to the person to decide what they think is best it would be a tough decision i think right like i can see both sides of it Uh, obviously um, to me, the, and part of me just says the women's game will always 
be there. She'll always have a spot there. But why not see? Why not kind of upset the apple cart a bit in the men's world and see if you can break in? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I, I guess, you know, a little bit of it is development too. Like she's going to develop and practice with those shots and getting better. Um, so, you know, being in the OHL won't hurt her at all. Like it, it may help her and, and just stay at that speed. She, so I, I'm kind of for it. I, I'd like to see her stay there and then come to the girls game like afterwards. Like, like she's going to be a dominant goalie if she can, if she can hang in there for a while longer. So yeah, it's an interesting concept. And the other interesting one was, uh, I believe it was Saturday night, uh, Ron McLean was talking to Rennie Fazell from the IIHF and, he was asking about the women's uh, world championship and how why it was canceled in Halifax and all that and, um, and the concerns around that. It looks like Edmonton's stepping up and going to try to get it done sometime in the summer, which is really good news. But, you know, I, I still don't understand why. Um, McLean brought it up that, you know, PEI's opened the door and said, we'll do it right away. Like, why, why can't you just – you've already got these planes booked. You've got all this stuff that was – on the ready to roll why don't you just let it go and just move everything over to prince edward island which is you know arguably two and a half hours three hours away it's an interesting yeah because cassie campbell spoke i don't know if it was the same episode you're talking about but uh and her criticism was directed right at the premiere of nova scotia and i i was kind of like that's a little bit tough for me like to me his job you know as much as i'm sure he'd love to see the hockey tournament go on he that can't be his primary focus, right? If he thinks it's the right thing to do for his province, you kind of have to go, okay. I, I, my, if any criticism, it was at the IIHF in kind of what you're saying is they had no alternate plan. They kind of like were completely caught off guard, which seems to me they must've been in conversations with the province. Like, and then they didn't, they kind of seemed to stumble through, well, we're going to see what we can do in the summer. And well, we've got a plan for August and, they're just catching up and it like to me that's who deserves criticism and like you say like did you not have the eye you, you had to know it was a possibility so there was no contingency like it, it yeah i agree with you. that's where the that's where the real fault is is not having a contingency contingency plan in, in during the situation we're in like this pandemic is if it's taught anybody you can't be pr- predict anything so why would you go down the path by saying, well, if it doesn't work out, we're just going to cancel it. Well, it doesn't work that way. Like when you have options, there's tons of options. And this is what, once again, I'm going back to the, the pulpit and talking about the U18s when they canceled the girls in Sweden and they let the guys go on. That was remember, the other thing that Faisal said was interesting, which relates to that is they don't make any money off the women's hockey. So he came out and admitted it, which is understandable, but have they really tried monetizing it? Like you, like the camera, the camera feed from the U18s two years ago looked like at one point you're looking through a fishbowl at the top of, a, of an arena. You couldn't see it. And there was so much, um, you know, chaos online and people complaining about it. Then they fixed it up and it was running through a streaming service. Why don't you at least at the very least run your own streaming service to feed some of these games and then monetize it at the very least. Like yeah. you say, money. I, I think it's so under um underestimated what the girls game could pull in what you know i, I just think it's there's potential there i agree and they've got the infrastructure for the men's already so it's it's not like it it wouldn't be a full incremental upcharge you know if you know what i mean they've got a lot of that infrastructure and they've got the knowledge and i think i made the point last week the world men's world junior didn't used to make money it was just like whatever it was some tournament and tsn built it into something and i firmly believe that the women's game 
can build up to something similar. Maybe, I don't know, who knows if they'll ever make the same money, but it'll become the same type of event. It'll be something people will want to watch. They've got to have that vision and just say, yeah, we're going to invest in it. We're going to make sure this happens. So to your point, the, the, um, I think that at the beginning, the world juniors, they played out in Canada way more times. Like they would come back to Canada every two, three years and not play it out in some of these places as much in other where they didn't make any money. And now it's because it's spread out. Now they do make money in Sweden and Finland. They're doing it over there and Russia, but um, the same thing could happen for the girls. You could run it in Canada, the U S for the first five years till you build it out and throw a bone to, to Finland and Sweden once in a while, just to, until you build it up and get that presence. Um, that's I'm with you. I just think it's, there's ways to make money here. It's uh, it seems like anyway. I, it's a bit of an excuse. I think, you know, they're just kind of, they haven't put the effort in and then they go, well, why aren't you? Uh, you know, it's, it's an easy fallback excuse, but as much as that, is, what's that? Send our resumes in tomorrow. We'll yeah. get that marketing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll so, run the podcast. <laughs> Give our uh, we'll bring in our guests. So Chris Longo, former uh, Peterborough Pete rookie of the year in the OHL, and now uh, assistant coach with the Kingston Frontenacs, and uh, we'll get take on what's going on with the U18s. Hello. Good evening, Chris Longo. This is Mike Bond. Mike, what's up? Oh, what's happening? Not much. Just chatting with Randy here, talking a lot, a little bit of. Uh, uh, women's world championship controversy and wanted to get your take on it right off the hop. <laughs> uh, right off the hop. I think it was wrong. I, the, 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 the run in the U18, the run in the world championships for the, uh, for the men uh, coming up after the NHL season. So um, the regular season that is. So I don't know why. I don't think they planned correctly for it, knowing that if it wasn't able to go in that location, they didn't have a secondary backup. So that's my take on it. Well, that's a hell of a take that quick. I completely just threw that at you. So I'm very impressive. And <laughs> we got Randy here too. Well, there's, there's, there's nothing, nothing other to, or much to do rather than stare at the internet right now and see what's going on <laughs> in the hockey world. Well, the other, the other reason Mike liked the take was just pretty much bang on with what he said. So it's always, you know, like mine, always just good. But um, Chris, we wanted, the other thing we wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, obviously Canada has been rolling through the uh, U18s, uh, I see now they're into the semifinals, so they're playing Sweden and uh, uh, which who they beat. I think eleven one the first game they played them, and now Finland and Russia in the other in the other uh, semifinals. So um, Shane Wright, who's been kind of the star at uh, the beginning of the tournament, then he got hurt. And now he's coming back. Um, is a guy that you know really well from working with with the Frontenacs. Um, has has it surprised you how well he, how much he's dominated when he's been on the ice, or is this uh, just knew it was going to happen? You know what? No, it didn't surprise me. The kid that, uh, you know, you take it back to the World uh, Junior Championships there that he was out at the camp. And I think his expectations was, you know, he was going to make that team. And um, I think he probably would have been one of the youngest players to ever make the World Juniors team. And uh, the camp didn't go as well as he expected. Um, it was a tough roster to uh, to break into. Um, and after, he, he was determined to you know, just get back to work. And, uh, you know, that was his mentality. He didn't feel sorry for himself. He, uh, you know, really put his mindset, uh, you know, to, to getting back onto, obviously one onto the international stage, making the U18, um, you know, and 
so he, he's a very competitive kid um, there's, with anything he does. So knowing that, uh, you know, one, you know, he was going to represent the country, but then second, uh, getting the, uh, the, uh, the nod to uh, represent and be the captain of the team. Um, doesn't surprise me how well he's doing. He's a, he's, he's a, a really good all around player. He can score goals, which is obvious. So is he, can I ask, he's, so he'd be draft year next year, right? Is that correct? Yeah, he's got uh, yeah his his draft year will be next year. And is he where is he looking to be ranked? Is he like number one potentially? What's, what's... yeah? There's there's a kid. It's it's funny story. Um, actually, uh, he he is ranked. There's another kid out of Finland that you'd watch uh, in this U18 too. His draft year is the same year, uh, Lambert. And it's funny because I played with his uh, played with his uh, his uncle, uh, Lane Lambert, who's in. Uh, with, with uh, the assistant coach with the Islanders, um, and I got to know his brother really well. He'd come down and visit us in uh, in Cleveland and spent some time. He was always back and forth from Finland, and uh, really not knowing, kind of putting the one on one together there that uh, that was his son. So I've got a pretty good connection there to two of them. I don't know the the Lambert kid myself personally, but you know, obviously his uncle and his uh, his dad have pretty good relationships with, but. Uh, um, yeah, I, I would say between the two, it uh, you know next year will be a big year for both of them. I played against his dad in England. Dad was a, a hell of a hockey player. Um, oh, played yeah, up yeah in, rock. Played up in Scotland for a while. Then he married a, a Finnish airline stewardess and moved to Finland. So yeah, um, that's how that. Yeah. But yeah, um, uh, I was uh, I, the other guy that's really stood out for me personally was Mason McTavish who. You know, you probably see a bit with Peter Rowe more than you'd like at times, but he uh, he's the first 17-year-old I think I've ever seen with a full neck beard like that. The kid is, he looks like he's about 24 years old and maybe a little bit of Wolverine in him, but he uh, he plays a pretty heavy game too. It's kind of fun to watch. What's what's he like in the OHL? Like, does he, is he manhandling some older guys the way he seems to be manhandling some of the guys out here? You know what? The, the take on it from last year, like he came in as a 16-year-old, and he he was a strong kid, and he was a shooter. Um, you know, he could uh, he would find holes to get into, and when he received the puck, it came off a stick quick, and he could find the back of the net. And uh, you know, he did a really good job with that. My question mark from you know for him last year was just getting around the rink. He was not that he's out of shape, but you know, he's just you know a little, little bit heavy booted at times. Um, but he has spent, uh, you know, a lot of time off these. I know I played with his dad actually in Peterborough. We're very good friends, and we talked off often. Dale McTavish, and uh, he, uh, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, in, in this prolonged off season. But also had the benefit because he has the switch. He was born in Switzerland, and uh, so he was able to go over and play in the uh, Division One league over there um, after Christmas time. You know, so he's. Oh, maybe a little step up. He's been playing a men's game here for the last three, four months, uh, but he's been fantastic. He's he looks like a pro. He looks like he's almost NHL ready now. Interesting. It's it's, uh, it's funny just to go back to correction that Lambert, his dad played in. Uh, we played him in an Autumn Cup. It was uh, so he was in Humberside, I think, which is on the Scottish border. So I said Scotland. It was actually just south. But um, yeah, McTavish's dad was a, a pretty good player as well, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, good good background uh, with the family. You know, Lane Lane played in Detroit for uh, for a while. Also, um, oh, I forget how many years he was there, but uh, you know, and now he's obviously taken on uh, you know Ray him and the Barry Trotz. Um, 
you know, in Nashville for a period of time. And then they, uh, they went to Washington uh, together, won a cup. Um, and now they uh, are with the Islanders. The um, Chris, you know, I, the other, with all these kids being, you know, it's been such a topsy turvy year going in the drafts. You've got, you've got kids um, that are in this draft getting ready. At least they're getting a, a view for the NHL, which really helps. So, you know, a lot of these, first first second round kind of kids are going to get some opportunities but it's the ohl draft's been so difficult and i want to give uh, some props to your brother tyler longo who has been you know tirelessly working with the quinny red devils and and doing prospect camp kind of setups before we got shut down here but really bringing kids in and and giving them opportunities for scouts to come see them and but once again, it's got to be difficult for these teams. And, like, how are the Frontenacs viewing some of this? Like, um, are you relying – are the scouts relying on what, you know, happened when they were bantams? And, you know, is it – it's got to be difficult going into this draft to make a decision on a 15-, 16-year-old kid and then the NHL draft the same way. What? How are you guys approaching all that? Well, you know what? Like, I guess to go back, yeah, Tyler, Tyler did a fantastic job. He made the season for – you know, for the whole organization – but even more so for the minor midget to give them somewhat of normalcy, um, you know, practicing, playing inter-squad games, bringing in, um, you know, different kids and then bringing in elite kids from, you know, basically almost, you know, from, from the Alliance all the way through to the GTHL. Like to, the funny thing is, is to see a bunch of these high-end GTHL kids in Toronto, from Toronto come into Marmara and actually have, uh, you know, a couple of skates there you're not seeing that in any other year, you know, they're, they're not leaving the GTHL uh, uh, borders, but it was, it was really well done. He did a great job, did a lot of work putting that together. Um, and that, that was a big help to see some of these kids from, you know, for all the organizations. And, you know, I, I know for, for instance, uh, uh, in Kingston, uh, Paul has uh, really put us to work. Um, you know, I, I've, learned a lot on the scouting department side of things this year from you know we've been able to go to different viewings for instance like you know like the Quinney skates um there's been skates out the Burlington area at times in Toronto area um you know getting as many views as we can we've done a ton of scouting which I think um well, probably a lot of teams have you know resorted to is uh, on video um getting a lot of these scrimmages taped and sent and watching different players, but it is, you know, I, I think with the, with the top tier kids, you've got decisions to make to see where they're going to go in the first round. I think the challenge is after that is, you know, as the draft gets deeper, you know, you're rolling the dice a little bit more because you haven't seen or spent as much time looking for you know, the later round guys. Like I, I know in Kingston, we've done, we've done that. We've actually gone through our, our listing and we've, um, you know, we feel we're pretty prepared for the draft, but there was a lot of work put into uh, into doing that and uh, all being creative to, to make this happen. So is it, um, <clears throat> I'm assuming that, you know, the OHL say, okay, we're done. We're not doing a season at all. And, and that really got a really feel for those players, right? Because this is kind of why you go this route is, is the opportunity to play and show your skills and maybe make that next step. But is it looking like, is the league 
that will will have like a start in October, like normally would happen. Um, is is I'm assuming the league's planning that. Does it does it look like a regular season next year, or do you think it might be you know a little bit late start or anything a little bit different? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I think everybody's planning at this point right now to say, and I think the league is preparing for the season and camp to start um, on time. Uh, Good. You know, it was unfortunate we didn't get going. It, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it was tough, tough for for everybody for you know for the young kids to get their feet wet into the league. Um, you know, a guy like Shane Wright missing a full year, like you know, you know, just for the organization's sake, for having a kid like that. You know, uh, our owner Doug Springer. You know, uh, in a normal year, you would have people flocking out to the building to come and watch this uh, um, this player. You know that we'll have. You know, we might just have him for one more year, and if he gets, you know, he drafts as an 18-year-old and moves on to the NHL, we've got a short window with him. So we wanted to have him with us as long as possible. But uh, it's, yeah, it's 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 been it's been different. It's been, uh, you know, just kind of a sit and wait game because we really didn't know when the start time was. It kept getting pushed back. Um, but at this point right now, I think we're just focusing on uh, end of August, uh, early September to get camp going and kind of be ready for that. So we've got, you know, obviously with the summer being so a little bit up in the air, we're, we're hearing cases have gone down today. Uh, we seem to be trending in the right direction. Uh, looks like we're going to be heading to a situation where we get back to skating here shortly. So, you know, what are what could you recommend for kids to be doing right now while they're off the ice um, to sort of get ready to go back on the ice so it's not sort of that loss you know kids get sitting around the house and not doing much what can they be doing um, and then secondly when you get back here what what's the plan for you know the kids not only the kids that are in junior and trying to get to pro but those kids that are uh, 12 and 13 that want to get ready for their tryouts because we're going to have fall tryouts. So what, how do you approach that? Do you set up a, an eight week plan? Do you set up a six week plan or you just work out in, in, in little allotments? How do you, how do you plot it out with your uh, students? Well, you, you know, I like, I guess what, what should these guys be doing? You know, this has been, you know, a terrible thing, obviously, uh, you know, the, the COVID um, that, that has you know, come in to, you know, for what, over a year, coming into a year and a half now. Um, but if anything, I guess when it comes to probably any of the sports, you know, and I, I'm just, you know, uh, putting, uh, you know, uh, this on the hockey players is that, you know, this, this layoff or this shutdown uh, could be a blessing in disguise for a lot of these kids just to get them off the ice. Um you know, give them a break because I just don't think they do that enough. I think they're locked into their skates 12 months of the year and, you know, they're training hard. They're training one type of muscle. And I think sometimes the kids lose their athleticism uh, by not playing other sports. Um, I think it's important. You know, I know there's obviously, you know, the same situation, baseball, soccer, you know, they're all up in limbo as of, you know, whether they're going to be up and going for the summer too, as far as I know. But, you know, the kids to be out, you know, riding bikes, you know, playing pickup soccer, ball hockey, I, you know, it's things that kids don't do, get out of the house, get off the computers, get off the uh, the, the phones. And 
I think it's good for the, you know, the kids to be kids and play other sports, you know, put the sticks away and the, the, uh, or the skates away anyways, and, and, and be an athlete, play, pick up a basketball, pick up a baseball, soccer, do something different rather than, uh, than, than hockey. Uh, take this time to rest and kind of be excited when you do get going again. Um, but, you know, moving forward, when the ice does open, I know kids and families are going to be anxious to get on the ice. And, um, you know, for myself and the students that I work with, um, you know, obviously they're, they're different tiered, you know, tiers with, with the players I have from, you know, the elite that are, you know, playing pro, playing junior, or NCAA for both the, the, the women's and men's, um, you know, to, to OHL, to kids getting ready to the OHL, that's a little different mindset to their plan that's kind of getting them ready for that next stage. Um, you know, making sure, you know, they're prepared, their skating is strong, they're understanding what they're doing. Um, the reason why we're doing things, not just to do a skill or a drill, just to set up some stuff and go through it. Uh, I think that's really you know, a, a point that's missed a lot of the times. These kids have to be be, uh, be prepared, and you know when they get into an elite camp, um, you know they've got to be able to do the little things right. Um, you know inside their skill set. Uh, with the younger kids, you know it, it's just getting you know building their you know their. Uh, their skill set up, building their foundation, uh, making sure that, you know, they're doing the right things, especially on a skating component. Uh, to me, it's, it's essential uh, because it just builds on top of everything that you're doing with the, with the skating, uh, with the stick handling, the shooting, the balance, protecting the puck. It all comes back to on how well you skate. So I, I think it's important, uh, you know, different tiers you're, you're, you're working with and, you know, there'll be different, sets of plans and you know with the, with the junior kids uh, and you know the kids that'll be going off the camp you, you've set up a program that they'll probably be going into about mid-August so you know they'd be running probably a, a six to eight week uh, plan and you know the, the younger kids I think it's kind of an ongoing thing especially when it comes to the skating I think you know even if they're just touching it once a week um, you know just building that muscle memory. I, I, I'm going to pass you over to Mike. I got one more question that I'm going to pass you off. And, but the, the one thing that was really interesting when you're talking about there, and because I know you so well and how what you do, and I have so much appreciation the way you approach your training of these kids. And, you know, I, I, I believe that you holistically, you know, as a hockey player, you were a fantastic skater, but you went back and learned from the figure skaters how to probably teach, you know, edge work and how to generate power off of your edges and, and then, then you, what you've done is you've applied it to hockey so well. So for me, the analogy that I've been using when I talk about you is that you're kind of like a, you know, you're going to a dental hygienist all the time with, with Chris, you've got to continually go back and keep building on what you have to keep your teeth clean. But you know, when you when you get your teeth knocked out, you need someone to actually fix something for a one-time shot. That's when maybe you go to another skill provider. So there's a lot of skill guys out there that are like, shooters or they have particular assets that they can teach but they can't do the whole base fundamental and for me that's where parents fall down is they put their faith in in a particular skill provider thinking that he's going to be able to teach them everything and they can't but having someone that can teach that core base of skating and then combining everything else and then if you want someone to give you a little different perspective on how to shoot or a different perspective on 
um, tactics. By all means, you can find some of those guys, but you can't go to one of these guys. Like I know there's people around town that we have some good hockey guys, but you know, they're, they're working at certain establishments or whatever. There's people working in on their own. They're really good at certain aspects, but they're not good at everything. Right. So you have to be very selective how you spend your money. So finding someone like you who has that foundation on skating is so important. So how do parents find someone like, obviously Quinty, it's great. We I'm recommending you phone Chris Long when you track him down, but how do you find guys like you around Ontario that anybody that's listening, because it is difficult because you get, they sometimes get locked in on a guy who may be a shooting coach, but he's not that well-rounded guy that's going to give you that skating, which for me is everything long-winded way to get to my question, but that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good question. And, uh, you know, I, I laugh because I did hear Eric Crawford uh, on the podcast there a few weeks ago, and he was talking about you know the the, the pirates of the game that are going around and um, not really for the benefit of the kids, benefit of themselves. And um, you know, there, there's a lot of that, and that's the one thing that really does bother me about uh, the development because um, hey, it's it, it's it's becoming unfortunately um, you know a sport of kings. It's an expensive sport, and um, part of picking a development plan is so important because one, it's costing money um, to do this. And if you're not doing it, everybody else is, and they're getting ahead. Um, so that that's the hard thing. And I think really the homework that a person has to do is basically just kind of see what their path, you know, their, their, their path line looks like with players they've worked with before. Like, are they just jumping into this? And uh, there's been no change in that, or that path career for, or that path for their hockey career has just never changed. Like if you're going to the, you know, doing the same thing over and over, and that player just is continually the same player, you know, and you're spending a lot of money on a development coach or a development organization. Um, I, I think you know that's part of the way you should probably first look at is you know who who has he been working with, uh, get some recommendations. Um, and you know, kind of look at those kids too. Like, where where have they come from? Like, if you're around the rank enough, uh, you know, you can see different kids how they've developed. Kids that have come from, you know, making a jump from one division to a second division, you know, to a higher. You know, they they keep climbing up the 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 uh, the the single A, double A, triple A. You know, I, I guess just look at their track record and see what they've been doing with the kids. And the other thing is, the kids have to have a good rapport too with with that. Uh, with, with that uh, skills coach or, or development coach, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, because that's important too, because, you know, that, you know, I could have a kid that maybe we just don't drive and we don't communicate well together and, you know, it just doesn't work. We're not a good fit, um, you know, but there is a lot of kids that we can, you know, that, uh, you know, for myself, I can, you know, relate to, want to work with, they want to work with me and they understand and they buy into the process. Like, don't get, uh, don't get, uh, uh, conned into that this is going to be an overnight fix that's the other thing too it's got to be a long-term relationship very good hey, so i think you gotta we gotta wrap this up pretty quick don't we there randy are you on the time yeah i've got a, i've got a i've got a, another call here unfortunately my work gets in the way of my fun so silly work but uh, uh, i want be wanting to get your take on the big news today in the nhl we've got uh Tom Wilson takes out Artemi Panarin last night, and um, 
so no suspension, got a $5,000 fine, got a parking ticket, basically, as we like to say on my other podcast. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know if you saw, the New York Rangers have just come out and said, you know, long statement, but said, we view this as dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. What do you think of that? You know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a big stand, uh, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, I, I guess with Will, Wilson's one of those guys, he's kind of that old school mentality. He's, uh, you know, he, the, you know, what he did, uh, you know, that, yeah, the the one the guy it, the game's changed um you know what whether you agree with what happened or you think hey it's old school hockey this is great um but the game's changed and uh, stuff like that can't happen anymore and you know putting their, uh, someone at risk of uh you know ending a career um you know it's not his first time doing something no. you know he's, he's a repeat offender you know, doing it and I was surprised of a five thousand dollars fine, but that's that's nothing. You know, this is a guy that's been suspended, you know, numerous times, and you know, this, this was pretty dangerous. Um, you know, and you know, basically, you know, you look at the picture too, and you know, him kind of putting the, the old Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan uh, pose in the uh, in the penalty box, like he's aware of what he's doing and thinks it's okay. Um, you know, I don't like that. I think that's kind of the 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 key is like. Why would he? Th- why wouldn't he think it's okay? Because the NHL has just let it go on so long. And it's funny on this incident. I'll be honest. I've been really critical of Tom Wilson in the past. A lot of his hits where I, I think he targets the head, and he's those are really dangerous. I kind of thought this was like you know one of those little melees and his kind of wrestling match. Panarin jumped on him. I was kind of like, I would have been surprised actually if the Department of Player Safety had suspended him based on their history. And I, but I was yeah. kind of like, it wasn't the most egregious thing I've seen Tom Wilson do. Um, but man, like everybody else was like, what are you talking about to me? So I must have missed something. What'd you think, Randy? Well, there's two parts to this. So the one is he's got a guy down on the ground and he's kind of <laughs> slamming his kind of slap shot esque, you know, kind of dragging him around the, yeah. the, the ground a bit and kind of choke him out with his stick but that was bad and 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 i i thought it was minor where he does the you know i'll take another wrestler jake the red snake uh roberts and, and it was almost a super ddt where he pulled panarin down and and he's got no helmet on first of all right and you just think of even back in the day when the guys didn't have helmets and they got into these mailings they protected each other for the most part now there were deaths in the past like i know um, back in Guelph, there's a there was a, a guy in the wall who got in a fight and, and died. We had a guy who played in our senior A league who passed away, unfortunately, in a fight with his helmet off. And those things have happened in the past. But generally speaking, there was a, a mutual respect for your for your opponent that you if they didn't have a helmet on, there is some kind of protection that you're going to make sure that they don't slam their head. It looked like he was slamming Panarin's head off the ice in some ways, the way he took him back. And it probably looked worse because I only saw it in slow motion in a lot of it, but, and I know it happens so fast and you just react to it. You do it. And maybe you're not thinking in the moment. I'm not saying it was a completely malicious attempt that he was really trying to hurt Panarin, but it looked awful. Like just that, that alone, I thought deserved something more for sure. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens here because typically the NHL does their thing, fans and media kind of whine a little bit, and then it just goes away. But with the team making this statement, like 
this is going to have some legs, like I think. And and for a change, Peros and goodness gracious, maybe Colin Campbell will have to come out, face the media, and actually answer some questions and justify what they do. That's part of the thing that really bugs me. They just hand out their rulings. Nobody ever explains it. Nobody takes questions. No one wants to explain it. It's just suck it up. And we know it's Colin Campbell at the top. Like he's the one driving the bus. Yeah. And at least you expect Panarin, if he's going to be out as long as they're saying that, you know, Wilson should be out equally as long. That's, (laughs) but it's probably not going to happen. But Chris, thank you so much. Like I said, um, you're, you're one of the, the best guys around and, and I know you're a tough guy to pin down because you are so busy, but uh, if anyone's trying to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? No, but honestly, the best way is, you know, through my email at uh, Longo, L-O-N-G-O, 1414 at gmail.com. Um, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. And uh, yeah, it, uh, anybody look around, I know myself and Jeremy will get going here. Hopefully everything gets opened up here towards the end of May and, we can get uh, some programs going um, starting in June here. And you know, before you know it, the summer's going to be gone and be uh, approaching another hockey season, hopefully. Yeah, we should mention that you work pretty Jeremy Benoit from the Bubble Sense, and uh, he's the strength and conditioning coach there. You guys sort of tag team and, and create an on-ice, off-ice. It's, it's, it's obviously unbiased. I've got my kids are involved. It's, it's fantastic what you guys do, and, and you're both exceptional at what you do. So, Thanks, Chris. Appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully see you outside outside of this COVID stuff soon. Yeah, no, that'd be great. All right, guys, thanks, thanks very Chris. much. Talk to you guys. See you, Mike. Okay, yeah, Chris is great because you know we can ask him a question and then just kind of we can walk away. He's great. He talks. Yeah. He explains yeah. everything. So good. No, it's no, he's awesome, and and you know the the communication skills really pay off on on ice with the kids too. He, you know, there's a lot of hockey guys out there. Like I talked about, you know, they're, they're around town. There's some good hockey guys around town, but I've seen them coaching or I've heard from people saying that they, they're not really teachers. And, you know, like I remember working at a hockey school in Guelph and uh, Ray Shepard, you remember Ray Shepard? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. That guy could shoot the puck like no one I ever seen. And we, we were, we were doing all these things and we had, uh, a bunch of kids on the ice and they're all like 10, 12 years old. And, they, and the, the, the head instructor said, Ray, come on out and show the kids how to shoot. And Ray came out and basically said, showed them how to shoot and just rifle pucks and the kids oohed and all, but he couldn't describe to them what he was doing and he couldn't tell them how to do it. It was kind of like, this is what I do. Shoot, boom, boom, boom. And then it was done. And every kid just stood there glossy. eyed like, okay, I have no idea what just happened or how I'm going to do it. And there's a lot of those people around that can't break it down into sequences and steps and how to progress and progressions on how to teach a skill. And that's what Chris is. He's such a great teacher, but then he's gone back and he's, he's learned from the figure skaters. He's learned to, to take his own skill set and make it better. He's, he's a, in my opinion, he's a unicorn and, and there's, there's few, not many of them around in Ontario there are really good ones if you find them, but you know, to find him, he's gold and uh, he's, he's so good at what he does. So, you know, there's nothing against some of the guys, but if you're going to go to some of the people that are here locally, there's um, you know, like I mentioned, there's different guys around and working for different either facilities or for on their own in groups. And and they may be good at particular things and find out what they're good at. Talk to people that are using them. Like they may be fantastic shooting coaches or, passing or tactics for certain things but an all-encompassing guy that like i use that analogy of a dentist you got to go back constantly chris is the man so 
Anyways. He's great. I know we used him in Sterling when uh, I was on the executive and just so good with the kids. But and I think he made a good point too, though. You know, you've got to be comfortable with the person. If you've got someone and you're really comfortable with them and you can develop a long relationship, that's that's kind of everything. 100%. Well, thanks. I, I Like I said, I got to jump and do this okay. silly work while it gets in the way of all this fun. But No problem. We'll talk thanks. to you next week. Take care. This has been another episode of the Total Sports Quinty Podcast. If you have suggestions for local athletes to be featured or local sports you'd like to hear about, drop us an email, boqtotalsports at gmail.com. And on the socials, we're at boqtotalsports. And of course, check out our website, boqtotalsportsmagazine.ca. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.